Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. If you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. I am going to be talking about a little bit more of academic or maybe technical-based topic today than what we've done in the past. And the topic is actually based on a question that I saw on the internet recently that I wanted to kind of unpack, and I think it's a pretty common one we see with working with physician families. And so we're going to... And the question was around home decision and, you know, drawing the line of house poor. And so we're going to talk through that today. But before we get into that, I just wanted to throw out there a couple things. First of all, I'm going to start covering a little bit more shows like this. I don't know. We'll we'll probably sprinkle some of these in, maybe start to do at least a few for the next few weeks and just to kind of try that out. So we'll be pulling some questions either from forums or from clients that have come up in our work. But also, I think more importantly, I would love it if you have questions on your mind. If you could just reach out to me, send me an email. It's daniel at financeforphysicians.co. So definitely send me an email if you have a question and we can, and we'll keep it anonymous and, and we can unpack that question and talk about it in a show. So it'd be great if, if, you, if you guys could throw out some questions and we'll, we'll start to cover those topics as well. So that's, that's something we're gonna be doing. I wanted to throw that out there. The second thing I was gonna mention, so this topic is really interesting. I guess this happens a lot with the internet world, but I didn't really see anyone on these forums. There's a ton of comments, but like in my view, nobody actually gave great advice which is kind of interesting. I guess they're not like all in the business of giving advice or they're kind of giving some quick hitters and there's not a lot of information to be able to do that, but there's a lot of bad advice for sure. And so I'll, I'll kind of talk through some of that as well. So you have to be, I think the takeaway there, at least generally speaking, is you gotta be careful what you take from the internet. It's typically not the best advice, even though I think a lot of it's well-meaning. So the question, I'll link to this in the show notes. It was on Reddit. It was on the White Coat Investor Reddit. It's also, I think, in the White Coat Investor forums. But I'll paraphrase the question and link to the full forum in the show notes. But basically, it's someone in radiology that's in practice, just started in practice, and has had a big income increase, but hasn't yet gotten accustomed to that. He's married, and they live in a high cost living area, Southern California. And so his wife's family is from there. So it's kind of like non-negotiable that they continue to live there. And despite the very high cost of living, real estate's super expensive in Southern California. I'm sure if you guys, any of you that live there know that, but living there is kind of like non-negotiable. They're going to live there no matter what, uh, because family and I think she grew up there. So financial information, they have a income, uh, his wife's income is 130. His income's 450, but it's supposedly going to go up 
to like 560. And then he has his second, I guess it's a side gig. He said pay-per-click. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's like a, I don't know, 150,000 in his side gig. Um, and then student loans, his wife has 165 in student loans. So he is throwing out this idea like, well, what if they were to buy, cause they're going to stay in the area a long time. They plan to have a couple kids at least. So they would like to have like a pretty decent sized house. And in their area, that's going to be at least, you know, in the 1.5 million type range. And that sounds low to me, but, um, you know, they live there. So we'll go with those numbers and the interest rates are high now. Like he, I think he used 7% interest rate and his math is that it's like 10,000 a month. And that sounds kind of in the ballpark for just the mortgage. So 10,000 a month for the mortgage. And at that income level, he's like, is that pushing it too hard? Like he's referenced some rules of thumb. Like I think he talks about this two times salary rule of thumb, which is a common one that people throw out. And so he feels like he would fall pretty closer within that rule of thumb, but it sounds like an insane amount to spend. And he's wondering if it's a wise decision to even look in that sort of price range. So the internet has lots of opinions like always. And I think like there's a ton of comments, but I think the general consensus is like, especially on the Reddit forum, they're like, what are you talking about? Of course you can afford that. And that sounds way too low. And like, there's a little bit of like shaming going on kind of too. It's like, you should learn financial literacy. Somebody said you should learn financial literacy because like, that's insane that you would even ask this question. And then another person's like, this sounds more like a brag, which I mean, I guess it could be, but that sounds like a weird way to brag. I mean, I don't, on the internet to like, I don't know, maybe people do that, but that sounds a little nuts. So basically the consensus is like, of course you can find that or afford that house you're making, you know, your household income easily would make the math work. So I think that is bad advice, not because that they can't afford the house necessarily, but I think it's bad advice. First of all, it's like the shame is not helpful. I don't think, I mean, that that's no good. That makes people not want to bring up questions in the future. That's why people don't like talking about money. And so that's, that's pretty stupid. I don't like seeing that, but the advice that like, of course you can afford it. It's bad advice, I think, because there's not near enough information. And so what I mean by that, there's a bunch of missing pieces here. And I don't, I didn't see anybody like bringing that up, but like, to me, they're missing like the most important information to be able to get a good game plan together. So I'll throw out some of these missing pieces of information and then circle back on like what I would typically advise in some various situations. So a big one that stuck out to me is like, how much are you actually working like hours per week or whatever, especially cause the side gig thing came up. And then what is the compensation structure with that? Like, is there some like RVU stuff going on? How guaranteed is your income? Like how much of it is, is there a guarantee for a period? And then you switch to RVU. Because what I'm looking for is like how secure is your income stream and how like committed are you with your hours? And the reason that's super important in this kind of decision is because if you're like way, way committed, like you're working 80 hours a week, for instance, and you're working in a situation that has very flexible or in like RVU based, if it's all RVU based, so it's not guaranteed. So if it's all RVU based or you're like an independent contractor or something and you're working 80 hours a week on top of that, that's like a very, very, you basically have the gas pushed as hard as you possibly can. And you're probably like at risk of having a big, huge wreck. And that I wouldn't want to 
to me, that's a big deal when I'm about to spend a million and a half on a house. Like, is there some risk here that, because that is like the gasoline that funds like this whole house thing. Like this guy, it doesn't sound like this guy's independently wealthy yet, given that they have student loans. Now that's another question, like how much wealth do you already have? But like, I'm going to assume based on the fact that they're paying on a student loan, that they're not yet independently wealthy and the fact that they just are getting in practice. So in that situation, you are very dependent on that income to be able to pay for the house. And the more you spend, the more you're kind of locked in or, you know, we call it the golden handcuffs. You're like locked down on that job. So if you're really cranking already on the work front and you're in this very unsecure sort of setup, I would be much more hesitant spending on the higher end. And I would be like, let's explore that issue first. If you're pushing the gas too hard, maybe because we want to know what a reasonable balance is. Cause I would rather see someone like, let's make sure you're at like a long sustainable level of works income slash hours when we're talking about a big decision like this. So for all I know, this guy could already be working 80 hours a week. And so he could be at the max, max ceiling of his earning potential. And that I don't think you should plan with those numbers. I would be like, well, what's your like sustainable for 20, 30 years sort of level. And we need to use those numbers instead. So that's a big deal that's missing. So I don't even know that's such a big important factor that it's hard to know, you know, where to start. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ren Financial Planning. Want to hear something cool? My team at Ren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Ren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes. And when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show. The other big thing that's missing is like, what is most important? I think there was a little bit of hint of this, like kids are important and staying in the area is important. But like, what else? I'm sure there's other things that are important. What is most important to each spouse? Like values, like what do you value? And how do you prioritize those things? And that kind of leads into like, what are the goals? So like, I know this house is one of them, but like, what else do you want to, is it important to spend time with family? That's a common one. Like we hear that probably most common when we ask that question. And another common one is travel. A good example where this can conflict with this whole decision is like, you just told me if I were to ask this person and they told me family is most important and then travel is most important, then I would say, well, we need to make sure like we're working that into the equation first before we decide what a good target is on the house. So for instance, family being important, usually that's like a tie into your time. 
And so that kind of ties into the first thing I was bringing up, like about work balance. Like, let's make sure you're at that sustainable level, especially if family's important and maybe even a little more flexible than that so that you allow the time to spend with family because that's most important to you. Let's make sure that is accounted for. My experience is when you start having kids, this person also hasn't had kids yet. Like when you have kids, when they're young, that's like the most demanding on your time away from work. And so if you're working too much, now it becomes way too much when you have kids. So it's like, especially with both spouses working, it's like, let's think about this thing you've said is most important family, which is not directly tied to this house first and make sure we incorporate that. Like, do we need to look at you earning, uh, working 40 hours a week? Cause that's a more balanced income level and use the numbers based on that level of hours. Do we need to cut the side gig? Cause that's not going to work with this whole family being important thing. And then the travel thing, you have to have money to travel. So like spending money on travel, if that time you want to spend with family, maybe you want to spend time with family traveling that costs money. So like, what's that look like? We need to put that in the budget and make sure that's incorporated. Cause if, I mean, especially if it's higher on the priority list than this house, you don't want to get in a position where you're justifying things either. So it's, that's why it's good to do this kind of thought exercise before you get emotional with the house. Cause what happens when people, usually people will be like, oh yeah, I'm going to start looking at the $1.5 million range. You start looking at the house, you get emotional. You're like emotionally attached. And then you're like, I ask you what's most important. You're like the house. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe so today, but like, it's hard to say you're in that kind of you're caught up in the emotion at that point. It's also important. And now some people say like, like I've had a lot of these conversations before, but some people will be like, well, cause I'll say, well, you, you had mentioned in the past family was important. So how does this play into this decision? So sometimes people that are already kind of caught up in the decision emotionally, they'll say, well, this house is in alignment with my value of family because it's providing for my family. And so maybe that's partially true, but like, let's ask the family that question. Like, that's not a good question for you exactly. Like, usually that's like the best question for like kids. So, I mean, ideally you're like future kids. What do you, how do you view family success? Most of the time kids say like time, they don't say like big house <laughs> in a nice area. I mean, that's probably a factor, but like number one is typically like, do my parents spend time with me? Like, do I have a relationship with my parents? Do I have, you know, feel comfortable with parents? So I think those are really way more important to look at, especially when this big decision is coming down the pipe. And nobody, I didn't see anybody bring those ideas up. You also have to look at like some other factors with your finances. Like what's the current lifestyle? That's not mentioned. I mean, maybe this couple is already used to a pretty high lifestyle and they, and it's really important that they sustain that lifestyle. Or maybe they're like living really frugally. So there's like already, and they've established this habit of living frugally like that's a completely different situation if you've had a good track record of living frugally and you have control over your money that's very different than if you're spending already what you take home and don't have a lot of control you really need to think about those things as well and then i think the other big thing that comes to mind is just kind of like worst case scenario and this kind of ties into the first thing i was mentioning like the work stuff you got to think like i mean in good planning, you want to look at like the most likely scenario, but you also need to look at like worst case scenario, like what if everything blows up? And so I think I already hit on the work stuff. Like let's make sure work is not 
too much of a commitment that's going to cause problems. But also like, are you covered on insurances, especially like your income insurances, like disability insurance and life insurance, because that's the same thing. We're trying to like make sure this income stream is very much protected so that you can fund this house and make it work. So making sure those are accounted for and in the budget before we start to look at the house. And then it's kind of like you back into the house. Ideally, you don't just say like, here's a rule of thumb. Like I can spend two times my salary. Well, that has nothing to do with you. That's just a rule of thumb. Ideally, you're saying, okay, let's look at my income. Let's another thing, like, let's look at our local taxes. Like, let's look at our actual taxes in the area and what our, let's calculate our actual take-home pay, what it's going to be, because certain areas have different taxes. And let's look at the actual tax, property tax for this house that we're going to look at. And then let's start to use that real actual estimate of take home pay and then start to carve out like baseline lifestyle. What's absolutely most important above and beyond the house, like saving for long-term goals like retirement or um, education for the kids or future children costs and get all those things out of the way that are important that you know you wanna do now or in the future. And then you back into what's left over for the house. That's the ideal way to do it. The problem with that is it's very much like not immediate gratification. It's like, oftentimes that's kind of like rains on your parade. So, but the problem with not doing it that way is eventually if there are other things that are more important or higher priority, they're going to come into play eventually. And you're going to be like, I feel house poor. That's what happens when you feel house poor is when you have, you realize there's these higher priorities that you're not able to do. And it's because of the house. But the problem is it's because you never incorporated that into your plan. That's what a financial plan is. I mean, I'm sure you've heard having a financial plan is great, but this is just like a real world example of like why a financial plan is so important. Basically a financial plan, all it is, is like, it's a written document or kind of like a, even a thought exercise. It doesn't have to be written, but it's like a process where you go through, like, let's get down, like what's most important. What are my values? What is my financial position look like? Let's make sure all these top priorities are accounted for like what do we have left over let's figure out the financial impacts of this decision what's the all-in cost of this decision and then let's make sure it works based on all that so when you have a good financial plan you've already done the you know numbers and the thought exercise of what's most important and how do the numbers need to work around that and so it's not that difficult it shouldn't be that difficult to incorporate in this house sort of decision on top of that and then you can make it with much more confidence instead of just using like a rule of thumb or going on the internet to ask for opinions. Not that that's terrible. I mean, it's good to get opinions, but like ideally we do this the right way. All right. That's the question I wanted to cover today. We'll be covering some like this in the future. So like I said at the beginning, make sure to email me with some questions or topics you want to make sure we go through. And I would love to go through those. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and want to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.